Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our examination of the testimonies of equestrian owner Dr. Ruth Cox and Vanessa Medrano-Cortez, the investigator for Child Protective Services visiting the Barrison property at the time of the Canarec shooting. On today's installment, we begin our coverage of the direct examination of alleged victim Lauren Canarec. That's coming up right after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. After a mid-morning break on March 30, 2022, day three of the Barrison trial, Judge Stephen Taylor said to Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn, Mr. Shellhorn, call your next witness, please. Your Honor, the state calls Lauren Kanarek. What? Lauren Kanarek. Lauren Kanarek is, of course, one of the two alleged victims in this trial and the only individual who was struck by gunfire. She is thin with longish ashen brown hair. She wears a white shirt patterned with a few black crossing stripes and a necklace with large pearls and a brown brooch at its center. Judge Taylor invites the prosecutor to begin his questioning. Go ahead, Mr. Shelton. Thank you, Your Honor. Good morning, Ms. Kanarak. Can you please introduce yourself again to the jury? Yes, my name is Lauren Kanarak. Uh, how old are you? I am 41. Where do you currently live? I currently live in Florida, Welling, Loxahatchee, Florida. Do you know Michael Barrison? I do. Do you see him in court today? I do. Can you identify him for the record by an article of clothing that he's wearing? Yes. He is wearing a white shirt and a yellowish tie. Before we get to how you know the defendant, I want to ask you some questions about your background in the equestrian world. Can you tell the jury a little bit about what your equestrian background is, starting with what your current riding discipline is? My current riding discipline is dressage. Can you explain to the jury what dressage is? As best as possible. Dressage literally transfers to training in French, but what essentially it is supposed to be is a harmonious partnership between horse and rider. In competition, it is to execute a series of movements that is judged on technicalities. And in training, you could just be riding your horse, trying to build a better partnership so you have a good relationship with your horse and things are just done harmoniously. Have you ever ridden any other disciplines? I have. Can you tell the jury what that was? I used to do um, show jumping or jumping, and that's just basically um, riding around a course of jumps at different heights and at our high speeds, to try to get it done quickly. Do you recall when you switched from focusing on jumping to dressage? Um, yes, sometime around 2015, I wanna say, around that area. What was the reason that you switched the discipline that you were focusing on? 
I was just kind of a little bit bored. I'd been jumping since I was a very young teenager, and I just saw people riding in the discipline of dressage and thought, this looks more fun. Some people might see it as boring, but I thought, this looks fun, I want to try it. It's interesting, and that's what I did. In general, what is the process that a rider would go through in terms of developing that harmonious relationship with the horse? Well, you would hire hopefully a trainer to help you try to move those things along. You could spend a lot of time doing groundwork. Riding is a main thing. Riding's kind of a must there. But yes, I would say the combination of things you do on your own with your horse and things that you would do with a trainer to help you get better at what you're doing with your horse to make that relationship better. And what specifically are the things that a trainer helps the rider or the horse develop during that process? A variety of different skills. A trainer might help a horse develop a certain movement that you might show in a test that you're competing in. But yeah, that's basically what I would say. Where do horses typically live? In a stable, a barn, stall. And is it common to train at the same facility where the horses are boarded? Yes. Does the same person typically coach the rider as well as the horses? Yes. Taking you back to 2018 and 2019, who was your trainer? Michael Barrison. Uh, did you pay him to, to train you? Yes. And did you pay him to board the horses? Yes. Do you remember approximately how much he was paid monthly in, let's call it the summer of 2019? Approximately $5,000 a month. Now you said that you currently live in Loxahatchee, Florida? Yes. Have you ever lived in New Jersey? I have. When was that? I guess from the age of four until somewhere around 2000. Have you ever lived in New Jersey uh, after the year 2000, even on a uh, seasonal basis? Uh, yeah. When you Definitely. came back uh, to New Jersey, where would you live? Specifically in 2018 and 2019. I would live on the premises of Hawthorne Hill Farm in a farmhouse. Where is Hawthorne Hill Farm? It is located in Long Valley, New Jersey. Whose farm was that? Michael Barrison's. At times during the year, is it common for specifically dressage uh, riders to train in different parts of the country? Yes. What's the reason for that? Mainly the weather, but um, aside from that, you go to, I guess when you're riding at the levels that you want to be riding at, they're higher levels, you go to Florida because that's kind of like the mecca of, I guess, dressage and jumping in the entire country. That's where, that's where everything is located. The top trainers, top clinics, events, things to go out and do. So that's where you go for the winter, you like, or snowbird kind of, that's how that works. Now, uh, speaking of that, do you recall when you first met Michael Barrison? Yes, I met him either at the very end of February or very beginning of March of 2018. Do you recall where you met him? Yes, I met him at his barn in Loxahatchee, Florida. And what was the uh, purpose for you being at his barn at that time period? Um, he was giving a clinic that month, so I attended it with my trainer that was training me at the time. At the time when you went to that clinic, were you familiar with him by either name or reputation? By name, as a clinician mostly. And after meeting him and participating in that uh, clinic, did you become involved in a professional relationship with him? Yes. What was the nature of that professional relationship you entered into in early 2018? That he was basically the trainer of my horses and while he was holding the clinic. No, so uh, you said that he would train your horses. Yes. Uh, were there, was there any other things that you would, uh, agreed with him that he would do for you or that you would do for him? Oh, yeah. Well, he was, during that clinic, 
he was saying to me, I need to come to New Jersey and train there. So, and he was like, you know, pushing this and he seemed to be an excellent trainer. And I thought that's probably a good idea. Now, what, what are your aspirations within the dressage community? Just to be the best rider that I can be and develop my horses to the top levels of the sport. And is having a uh, trainer important to that goal? Extremely important to that goal. During the course of time that you worked with the defendant, how would you say that your riding uh, went? Very well. I improved greatly in a short period of time. I was very satisfied. Did you have the opportunity to train at the Florida farm as well as the New Jersey farm? Yes, both. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Prosecutor Shellhorn next returns to his penchant to have witnesses describe locations in great detail. Now I'll point your attention again to 2018 and 2019 during the summer season when you, I think, indicated you were training at Hawthorne Hill in New Jersey? Yes. Where did you live when you were here in New Jersey training? I lived for the first year in the farmhouse on the property on the main entrance floor. And did you live in a different place during the second summer? Yes. Where was that? That was in a different apartment within that same home, in the upstairs apartment of that same house. Just a different floor, different apartment. Based on your recollection then, the Hawthorne Hill Farm had uh, living accommodations for people as well as boarding accommodations for horses? Correct. Uh, Is that common for a rider to live at the same property where they're training? Um, Yeah, it happens. Can you tell the jury a little bit about your impressions or your recollections about what else was on the property? You mean as far as like barns or? Was there a place, was there a stable? Was there training arenas or facilities? Yeah, okay, so there was the farmhouse where people lived. And then there's also like a very large barn with an arena, indoor arena. And there's also an outdoor arena, what we call a round pen for training and also a clubhouse for like gatherings, just kind of hang out in between rides and things like that, like a little social area. So that was also on the property. Is it fair to say that when you were on the property or when you had horses there, would you spend a good deal of time up at the barn or the the clubhouse? Yes, when I was up there riding, yeah, I would say that's fair to say. Do you recall in specifically in that building the area between the stables where the horses' stalls were mm-hmm. and the clubhouse? Yes. What was in that area? Lockers, specifically in between the clubhouse and where the stalls are. Yes. The row of lockers and I believe two tack rooms where you'd store saddles and larger pieces of equipment. Did you have a locker in that area? Yes, I did. Just Ken Rack, is that the hallway that you're talking about that leads from the stables into the clubhouse? Yes, it is. What's through that door on the left there? So through this door, um, you can kind of see them. There are saddles that are on racks, which is, yeah, that's mostly all a saddle rack row. And to the right of the uh, 
door hanging on the wall? What are all those things? These are awards and medals, different medallions, and different things that you might win if, let's say, you've won a show or you've competed at a certain level. USDF or USCF, the federations that oversee our sport, might send them to you. Or you might win them, win them at the show, at the very show itself. Did you have any uh, awards or medallions on that wall? Not on this wall, but sort of right next to it at one point. Not at this in this picture. But, but as part of this uh, collection of medallions? Yes, yes. All right, I want to go back and ask you some questions about the living arrangements on the uh, the property. You indicated that the first summer you were there in 2018, uh, that you were there and you lived on the first floor of the farmhouse? Correct. Can you describe for the jury what the general layout or, or makeup of the farmhouse was? Sure. So the farmhouse had basically three floors. The main floor had a bedroom and like a, a kitchen and of course bathroom. The basement had several bedrooms for staff to stay and they had their own rooms and everyone kind of lived together in the upstairs, upstairs apartment as well, where the assistant trainer lived. So there was altogether three living spaces, but one of which had several different bedrooms for like a group of people to stay, kind of like a, you know, a sorority a little bit, house in a way. Is that where the, the working students would live? Yes. Were all these separate areas in the farmhouse interconnected? By some method or another, yes. Like, there was a way you could get to each floor, but they weren't just like, completely closed off. When you moved there in the summer of 2018, the first summer you lived there, on the first floor, did you live there with anyone? Yes. Who did you live there with? I lived there with my boyfriend or fiance, my life partner, and my two dogs. And what is his name? Robert Goodwin. Ms. Kenrick, do you uh, have a Facebook account? I do. And how would you rate your Facebook activity? How, with what frequency do you use Facebook? Quite a lot, at least at the time. I'm going to draw your attention to a post from May 13th, 2018, and this has been uh, marked as S402B. Shellhorn displays a picture on the court TV monitors that looks like a dining room table and a doorway behind it. If you look very closely through the doorway, you can see a thin, smallish dog sitting on a rug. What is S402B a picture of? My dog is in the picture. Where is this picture taken? This is taken in the main floor apartment. Of the farmhouse? Of the farmhouse, yes. And uh, can you point out where the dog is in that picture? Now I can. Wait, so how do I... Or you could just explain it to the jury. Oh, okay. They have it on the big screen. Um, so she is, if you, you see the chair that's kind of like tucked into the table. If you look back and to the left of that, there's like a, like a dark figure sitting with like her head facing rightwards. That's the dog. So that's through the doorway in the other room. Yes, to go into the living room. What's her name? Rosie. You know what approximately how big Rosie is? She's approximately 28 pounds short. So you indicated that in the summer of 2018, you and Rob and your dogs were living on the first floor of the farmhouse? Correct. Uh, working students were living downstairs? Yes. And the assistant trainer was living on the second floor? I guess depending on how you count the basement, but yes, the top floor. The top second, floor. second or third, depending on What is uh, the assistant trainer's name? Justin Harden. Now, what were the circumstances uh, of your coming to live in the farmhouse that summer of 2018? The circumstances were that we were at the clinic in Florida. Michael basically had said, you know, come to New Jersey with me. 
I will help you develop these horses. You know, if you come, I have a place for you to stay. That will not be a problem. Just just load your horses, come. You're, we'll have accommodation for you to stay and you don't have to rent anything outside the area of the barn. You'll love it. And I was sold immediately. Did your living situation at the farm change between 2018 and when you came back there for the summer of 2019? It did. Where did you live in the summer of 2019? In the summer of 2019, upon our return to New Jersey, we were living in that upstairs apartment instead of the main floor that we just saw a picture of a moment ago. And just specifically from what you knew, when you came back to the farmhouse in 2019, yes. that summer, did you have a chance to see the condition of the other levels of the farmhouse? Yes. And what did you see or what did you observe of those levels? The levels that were below the level that we were staying in were pretty much like destroyed, like almost unlivable, pretty much destroyed from a pipe that had burst previously. Now, during the summer of 2019, when you lived there mm -hmm. and you were on the top floor, was any of the working students living in the bottom floor? No. Do you know where they were living? They were all sent to go live in the barn somewhere. Was anyone living at times on the first floor or the main floor of the farmhouse? Um, yes. Um, we returned of Mary Haskins Gray and Michael Barrison were living in the main floor and the basement of that house. And I don't think I've asked you yet, but uh, who is Mary Haskins Gray? Um, Mary Haskins Gray is Michael Barrison's girlfriend. Was she his girlfriend during the entire course of time that you knew the defendant? Yes. Did you know before you came back to New Jersey in 2019 that you would be living on a different floor of the farmhouse? Yes, the top floor? I did. What was the circumstances of you going to live on the second floor? The circumstances were that the house was unlivable and that there was really only one place that was livable and that would be the upstairs apartment although that was the assistant trainer's apartment. So we ended up working out some situation where it ended up being that we were able to live on the top floor and Michael said he'd work everything else out. So we just went with that. And just so the record is clear, when you say we were able to work that out, who do you mean you worked that out with? Me, myself and Michael Barrison. I want to ask you some questions about the boarding and uh, training arrangements that you had uh, with your horses. Yeah. How many horses did you own in 2019? In 2019, I owned six horses at that time. And what are the reasons that you own six horses? I like horses, but also I feel it's important. And Michael would always, you know, say this is important as a trainer to keep horses on the same levels, some of them. Um, so if you're competing, you can, let's say if you like make a team or get selected to go to regionals as a pair, you and a horse get, your horse goes lame. You then had the option to ride and get those scores with, an, with the same, another horse that's at the same level. So it's important to keep some horses at the same levels doing the same things. But it's also important to have horses at a different level to learn how to bring them up the levels on your own to build that harmony I was talking about earlier. Were all of your horses at the defendant's farm when you were there in summer of 2019? No. Did you have horses at other farms? Yes. Do you recall how many horses you had at the farm in 2019? At the Barrison's farm. Um, so 20, it was different amounts at different times in 2019. I had four horses, one of which I purchased from him and yeah, that's at four on the premise, on his premises at that time. Judge, can we have a more specific time frame? I believe it changed. 
at different times. Judge, I'm sure that's something that Mr. Belinkus is free to clear up on cross-examination if he thinks it's important. Well, you can do that, Mr. Belinkus. Now, you talked about the importance of having a, a trainer to train with the rider and the horse. What is the, what is the breakdown? What's the responsibility of the rider versus the trainer during the course of that training? It changes. I would say it's the responsibility of the rider because you're the one who needs to get the job done at the end of the day. But the trainer, the more experienced the trainer is, should be on the ground and should be somebody that can spot a mistake immediately and try to help you fix it. And if you are unable to fix it, a trainer will usually get on the horse and see what is the trainer, what is he or she feeling that you know, you're not able to figure out on your own. And they might have different ways of fixing the problem before you get on and try to do it yourself again. And specifically with respect to your training with Michael Barrison, did you have the opportunity to work with him training on occasion? Yes. And I think you said that you became a better rider with him as your coach and trainer. Definitely. Now you indicated that uh, Justin Hardin was an assistant trainer? Correct. What were your impressions or observations of his general responsibilities at the farms? My observations were that he would sometimes assist in training and also basically, I guess, delegate responsibilities to what he would consider to be less senior members of the staff or whatever, or however you would phrase that for lack of a better phrase. Now, at times during the course of uh, when you first became associated with Michael Barrison in early March or early 2018 yes. through into 2019, were you coached at times by Michael Barrison and Justin Hart? Yes. Were there any times where you were coached or trained by Mary Haskins Gregg? During that time specifically or the whole time? During the entire time. Uh, yes, there were. And how did you feel about that? I wasn't very excited about that. Can you explain why? To me, I did not feel she had the experience, the training, or any of the things that a, like a higher level trainer would possess. That I, and, or it could just be that you know you don't mesh with the person. But to me, I didn't feel she had the experience. Did she play any role in your decision to switch your trainer in 2018 and go train with Michael Barrison? In other words, did you go train with Michael Barrison because of Mary Haskins Gray? No. Why did you go train with Michael Barrison? Because he was a trainer with more experience and he basically was the person that had been there and done that. So there would never be like any issue of you know, like competition. Someone who's already been to the highest places, they're trying to help you get better. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. Please join us on our next installment as we continue our coverage of the testimony of alleged victim Lauren Kanarek. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. 
Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.